Hi everyone, welcome to the Art of Healing podcast. I am here today with a very special guest. Her name is Laura. She is a very good friend of mine, and here she is. <laughs> Thank you for having me here, Kyla. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you. <laughs> so happy to be sharing with you today. Hello, everyone. <laughs> this is my friend that I've been wanting to bring on the podcast since I dreamed of starting this podcast, so I'm very excited. <laughs> And she is a professional healer, I would say. Um, she does a lot of different like healing type of, of work, but I'm going to let her um, talk a little bit about kind of like what she's doing now, what her favorite types of healing modalities are, and maybe we could start by sharing like what you're doing now. What I'm doing now. Okay, so um, I would like to say that I my work is... I'm an intuitive space holder, mm-hmm. and I do this work through different modalities. I do um, one-on-one sessions with clients where I use a lot of like somatic meditation, and I also do this through working through spaces. And this is the somatic meditation is what we've done together, yes. which is so amazing. Um, do you think you could like explain a little bit about what that is for people who don't, who might not know? Absolutely. So these somatic meditations they help you come to the reality of who you are by Mm -hmm. dropping out of stories and coming into the direct aliveness of what you're witnessing within your body through sensations sensations yeah yeah remember when we started when we (laughs) the first time that I did this meditation with you you were like okay what sensation are you feeling and I was like I don't know what you're talking about I don't know what that means like literally like the feeling that you have in your body is a sensation sensation. and I think it's so crazy that I like I've lived for 32 years and I didn't know what that was like and from doing the work with you for you know we started when like beginning of quarantine and we've done it since then so that's been like almost maybe more than a year I mean, it was much more consistent during quarantine, but it's Mm -hmm. changed my life. Like, it Mm -hmm. has been so incredible, and I just feel like more people should be able to identify what they're feeling. Yes, absolutely, especially um, this type of modality, it really, it drops you out of story. And what that means is that the mind likes to entertain. Like a lot of the times, even if we feel something, it's like, oh, this, I feel chest pain. This could be this or this other thing. Like we tell ourselves a story about what the feeling is. We like to prescribe what's happening instead of like allowing for what is there to really like show you and tell you what that is. It's a very Western way of thinking. It's a very Western way of thinking. Mm. And it's also in this very same way, like when you allow yourself to connect to how you experience your body and what moves through you when even in the sense of an example uh, for a lot of people who experience anger mm-hmm. they don't know that what anger feels like in their body because a lot of the times it's so much more in the head through thoughts and they feel like just the thought of like oh this and this is bothering me this other thing and this other thing this other thing and when you allow yourself to come into the body and recognize where it's rising from the next time that it shows up you're like oh wait you can identify anger's it. showing up mm-hmm. so you're able to separate yourself more from what's from the emotion that's showing up and feel deeper into your body which is so important I mean that's like what it means to be the witness right which is something that I've done a lot of work myself on as like being able to have an emotion that comes in feel it but not be that just watch it as a witness not as someone who's experiencing it 
Absolutely, right? absolutely. And part of even this um, work, like the somatic meditation and a lot of the work that I do is, um, it's rooted in uh, non-dual, like a non-dual. Non-duality. Non-duality. Yeah. And this is like in this recognition that you start to identify these two parts of yourself that are there, like these two aspects of like this right and this wrong. Mm. And it's like in order for the right and the wrong, in order for the duality to exist, or in, and even in order to the non-duality to exist, it all comes from the one source. It's all coming from the same source. So it's like that identification of that witness. It's like what watches like ex- like the experience happening like in front of us, this right, this wrong, like these sensations like showing up and we start like that weaving of these mm. two so and that the, we land into the witness like what can allow for all of that to be there without us being particularly intertwined with um, what's rising for us so would you say the witness is non-judgmental it's very interesting because a lot of um teachings they even like this aspect of like what the witness the self it's like this that's there that's present and it's like yes it's non-judgmental it's not something that we can um, even described through words because it's, stuff, it's something that's experienced within like our being right it's something that's present that feels like it's um, it's been there since the moment that we can even reconnect from like tracing it back to when we started like our thinking process like, like the soul you would say or is different no it's um, it's different because the soul it's also like an aspect of, there's various different like aspects of like our journey and then the self is like what witnesses and then the soul is like this like the deeper richer sense of like our connection to everything that exists around us so more the soul is more of a sensory like a way of of processing what's around and the the witness is just kind of always there watching present present. and we might not be able to see that because we're too caught up in our emotions or we feel like we are our emotions but really the witness is always there quietly watching quietly watching and it's something that we can always come back to and a lot of these non-dual teachings it's spoken about our non-dual qualities things that are always present within us like in order for us to have even a sense of um uh sadness we need to recognize like the joy that's there so we have essential qualities that are always present so this sense of like uh the witness is like tuning back in into those essential qualities of who we are so and so from what i understand like that dualistic way of seeing the world is very human it's very much like an earthly way of experiencing things and on this plane of earth from what i've read that's how we see things is like good bad sad happy you know opposites dual black white whatever but from what i also understand being on any different dimension or a different level there is not no duality you don't see things one or the other there's it's kind of all gray like all gray area it's in between it's not good or bad right or wrong like it just is it allows us to to come into a place of harmony where we can dissolve those lines between mm-hmm. the good and the bad because we're no longer conflicted. So we go into this space of what's the middle. And the middle is even like the Buddha spoke about this middle path. And right. It's like always like pointing back to that same place where we can, we don't have to choose anymore between the aspects of ourselves, And that's something that's very predominant for us. And I can say that I can... Um, I relate to this even from my journey Mm -hmm. Um, from when I started my spiritual journey before this I 
would interact with the world in a completely different way mm-hmm. and from this space of what I was before and I was like oh but if I used to like going out and enjoying like having a drink and then it's like I can't really be spiritual so mm-hmm. we have to, we start to create these conflicts within like ourselves. we think <clears throat> if we go out and have a drink then we're not honoring our spiritual side or if we go have fun it's not really conducive to being a spiritual person but really you can do both and find balance you can do you can allow yourself to recognize that there's various aspects of yourself mm-hmm. and they all interact with one another and the one and where is the sense of becoming the witnesses it's like you can start to recognize like who's taking more of the reins of your life and it's like you can allow yourself to play with all of these different aspects mm-hmm. that are showing up and it's allowing for yourself to not choose any one of them in like more favoritism like one versus the other because right. this starts to create the liking the, the, the disliking the, yes, the right the and the wrong the good, and bad. it's like yeah. oh it's like oh if I do this and this is like the good part of me but then when I do this I'm not good yeah so you're judging like if you think of it in that way you're kind of judging yourself in a moral way of like oh is this a, the right thing to do the wrong mm-hmm. thing to do when really whatever you want to do to express yourself is okay yes it's okay and that this is where a lot of these somatic meditations um, come into place where dissolving that very thin line that sits between the right and the wrong mm-hmm. and then allowing yourself to experience what it's what's there without making a story out of it and uh, even like normalizing it within yourself mm-hmm. it's like yes i can allow myself to experience rage and that doesn't make me a bad a person. bad person right like yes i can allow myself to experience sadness and that doesn't make me a sad, mopey person. Yeah, remember when we did that? <laughs> we had this meditation that we did like a, a couple months ago, and I was like so upset because I was sad. I felt really sad during it, but that's not how I usually feel. I feel like you know me like so well, and you were like, this is fine. Like everyone feels sad. Because at first you were like, wait, I feel really, I get a lot of like sadness from you right now. And I was like, oh my God, I need to like, spice this up with some rainbows in my subconscious like really add in some sparkles like this is not good she's gonna judge me (laughs) and you were like no this is fine like if you're feeling this way this is valid and you need to express that through this meditation and and to acknowledge it and I think that that's the beauty of this um, space is allowing ourselves to acknowledge what is there yeah and it it really right to be held it's like the sadness it's like when it shows up a lot of time we're like oh no I don't want to go there I've been feeling so good so happy and it's but it's the same thing like you were saying like labeling that negative emotion as negative or a happiness that's only a positive like Mm -hmm. then you want one or the other it's the dual it's the same duality like if you just are seeing it not as negative or positive just as an emotion it is what it is it's not like a label it's not bad it's not good it just is then you can just allow it to move through and then it will leave and it will move through and i think that that's even where even like this other aspect of my work shows up when i um do because i've been doing ceremonies using vedic rituals and shamanic rituals Mm -hmm. and a lot of these um a lot of the Vedic knowledge is about coming deeper into the sense of like the self of who we are. And a lot of the shamanic rituals, they allow for you to become more connected to the earth. So we have like these two aids that we use and mm-hmm. this like recognition of like what is there and within the Vedic, it's like bringing into further awareness. You bring into further awareness what is there to be seen. 
We have a little guest star today, Plum. I know. <laughs> I'm so sorry, you guys. Plum, my dog, is just <laughs> crying away in the background because she wants a snack, but... She wants her loving attention. <laughs> she, she wants her attention or a snack or a walk, something. I'm trying to get her to take a nap, but I think it's working. Well, yeah, hopefully. Looking more snuggled now. <laughs> yeah, I think she might have been cold. It's because today in New York is like one of the first cold days, cool, mm-hmm. cool cooler, days, cooler yeah. days. I would say, yeah. But um, I was wondering if you could give the listeners a little bit of like a background on how you got to this point, like where you're from, oh. and like a little bit <laughs> if you're if you're okay with that. Absolutely, I am. I was born in Dominican Republic, mm-hmm. and about. I want to say 2016 was the beginning of when I something shifted for me. So was that that was like during fashion school? No, I was already working. I was working in the fashion industry. Oh, at this time, like okay. Fully like working in the fashion industry. I used to work as a, a stylist. A stylist. And during the end of my time of working in the fashion industry, I would, I would sit on set and like sit in the back of it and like watch everyone that was there and I was like oh what are we all here doing mm-hmm. what is this all really for it's fashion again. makes you it makes you feel like what is happening yeah, it makes you feel like and at least for me what started to show up at that time is like oh I'm I'm really I'm definitely part of the problem especially within the styling world you know you're working e-commerce photo shoots and a lot of these items are even like clipped on and like tailored on set and like people are buying these things through the illusion that it's gonna like fit you so well and then you get it and it doesn't fit you know in any way as you sew it because yeah the garments don't even fit the models that way mm-hmm. so, like it's it's selling something that makes you that's gonna make someone feel better or happier but it doesn't yeah. work is what you're saying yeah it doesn't work it doesn't or it doesn't work and I think that it feeds into the sense of consumerism that we need to have things in order to be happy mm-hmm. that we need to have like all of these like uh, like physical yeah that are our gateway to happiness so did you realize that that was kind of a lie that society feeds to you so I think that during this point I wasn't you know it was my main source of taking care of myself and then I decided to to make a radical left turn and mm. I started working in this um, I started working for an infrared sauna place in New York City oh my god I've been to the, one of those before and it's really cool and the, this place was in the Alchemist Kitchen and where's that? the Alchemist Kitchen was in Bowery at this point and they celebrate the power of plants and everything that has to do with it so at this time there was a lot of like shamans coming into um, a lot of people that were doing plant-based medicine. Oh, is that place near the Womb Center? Oh, I don't. It's on don't Bowery know. also. It's on Bowery, but yeah. it's like a shaman place. It's like a yeah. It's like they say they they sell like the little elixirs and tinctures yeah. and teas and all of these different like assortment of um, products that are helped to like support you and like uplifting your mood. And they also would bring a lot of like different healers to do. Um, lectures and mm. at this point I was star- I started to like notice what this what I want to call like the new age spirituality a lot of these people who started like going to do plant-based medicine mm-hmm. and a lot of plant-based medicine and then coming back from those journeys and then like you know this sense of like oneness but like you are talking one way but what you're saying is and you know you're talking one way what you're thinking is completely different and the way that you're acting is just completely like offset from everything else so the plant-based medicines are those like um, like psychedelic medicine, like, like ayahuasca and psilocybin. Yeah. yeah. 
so at this point I was like oh this feels that there's a lot of truth that lives inside of like these plant-based medicines but I was like oh I need to find some roots something in me was really like longing for roots and in my longing for roots my my home country Dominican Republic our native people they pretty much don't exist Th so when there's we no indigenous people when we were colonized they're all indigenous people were pretty much removed from the country oh so wow. there's not a lot of like tracing back into connecting to the root from like Colombia like how there were in Colombia yeah, like yeah. Colombia there's indigenous still indigenous communities who are preserved so I didn't know that about mm -hmm. DR that's so crazy and this is something that's like always like kind of like ached inside of me so I was like okay so I needed to find like okay if I want roots I was like what can I do right so at this time I was I started to meditate and when I started to meditate, I started seeing a message of going to India, going to India. Like my guides were like really pointing me to India. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, what? I'm not going to go to India. And like that's, that feels... To go to India, you were yeah, like, no. Of course, that feels <laughs> scary. Was your dad like, you cannot go to India? My whole family was like, <laughs> everyone that I would tell that I was going to go to India, alone, they're like, nobody goes there. Alone. I know, when I went to India, everyone was like, you're crazy. Why are you going to India? What are you doing? And I was like, no, you guys, just chill it'll be okay yeah, but I went by myself did you go by yourself I went by myself yeah too. I was there for so I ended up like going there by myself you were there forever I got a one-way ticket oh and I didn't really have a plan either I didn't have how old anything. were you like I was 26 at this time when I arrived mm -hmm. and yeah and I had a one-way ticket I got there I had a silent retreat that I had oh booked that I was going to go into. So I go straight from the airport into the silent retreat and I'm so grateful that this happened this way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that I would have been able to handle this country like in any other way. Yeah, it's, like, it's really, a lot. It's a lot. It's very, um, it's so, uh, the culture, it's so stimulating. The it's sounds, so stimulating. The smells, mm -hmm. It's so rich and it's just so rich to be yeah. there. And so many different ways and this is what started like I went there and I didn't really have a plan and I was like in a place of receiving I was like you take me wherever I have to go if you wanted like whatever was guiding me to go there I was like then take me where I have to go and I trust I will follow so just kind of following your intuition following the yeah. universe just whatever whatever you felt like yeah. you had to do when you were there yes and it was and this started like this whole like just movement of I was always in the right place at the right time where the right person was telling me about something and then I was heading into and this is how I ended up going into um, a town in the south of India called Tiruvannamalai. Wait, what's it called? Tiruvannamalai. Okay. And Tiruvannamalai, there's this um, incredible energetic point of this mountain that is called Arunachala. And Arunachala is this incarnation of Shiva. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people who go here, they do for a lot of like karmic healing mm. and like this mountain like the energy of it it's so fiery that like mount shasta kind of like yes. one of those portal those places portal places mm -hmm. absolutely just like mount shasta yeah like just like this and it's like one of these like portal places that you go and you're like you feel the energy of the mountain you feel what it's doing to you and I, from being in this place i started going into advaita teachings which are non-dual teachings mm. this is where i started to study scripture and for a very long time in my life i was pretty much the the meditation like yogi I didn't really explore any plant-based medicine mm -hmm. so I, I remember like, that actually because when you came to clear to do the clearing in my house that was like what like 
two years, more than two years ago, yeah. two and a half years ago. And I had asked you if you had done like ayahuasca and you were like, no, I don't feel like I need to. Or, yeah. But it's so, now things have changed so much. <laughs> it's, so, it's so interesting because even like, you know, you start to follow. And it's a lot of the times even like this that we have the most resistance towards. Mm -hmm. It's like it's the key to something that's meant to take you deeper. Mm -hmm. And while I was in India, I kept on hearing this message of the healer, the healer, the healer. And I was like, oh, you don't go to India once and like come back a healer. Right. I was like really repressing this like part of myself because, you know, there's being a woman of color and mm. also like feeling that there could be a lot of like judgments from even like my background and how like I grew up and and knowing how you grew up I, I could totally see why you would feel that way especially like being born into the family that you were that you were born into I could totally see that it makes sense and it takes I think it would have taken a lot of courage to face yes, that to even like at that point so because I wasn't fully ready at this point to come into this I was like okay then what can I do so I was like, show me what it is that I'm meant to be mm -hmm. doing. And from this, this is when I, when I came back, instead of continuing to work in silent, I started to develop space healing. That oh, that was how, okay. This is how space healing like, came about, because I was like, oh, I go into humans' homes, and I would like sit down and meditate, and I would connect to what was happening in the space. Mm -hmm. And from this, I would like tune into the intelligence that was like showing me like things that needed to like be like to get like rid cleared. of. And, this is when I work one-on-one -on -one with clients. It's like all of the objects that we own, they represent an aspect of who we are. And they carry energy, right? And they carry energy. And it's like, do you want to have a museum or like a collection of broken dreams of like things that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, do you, or is your home a space that's alive, that supports you, that nourishes you? So I started to hide a lot of these like Vedic teachings under my into the like weave it into your practices into of like styling a home or like uh organizing clearing. like clearing yeah and even at this point i was doing like using vedic rituals to help clear a space mm -hmm. and is that what you did with me yes yeah yes this is what we did together and, that and was this was different too from i feel yeah. like from clearing someone's home with all of their stuff because this was before i moved in mm -hmm. And this was just like because my house is 150 years old. I was like, I don't know who or what has been in here. There's some weird. There's been some weird things going on before me, and I just want to start off fresh and clean. And you, you helped guide me through that. Yeah. And how was that for you? It was awesome. I think we did it on my 30th birthday during the day in the morning, early in the morning. Remember, it was like a super nice day. And it was, and we had like a little altar. It was really magical. But I never felt, I actually never felt like this house had negative energy. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that we, that it gave me peace of mind to know that you had been here and that like even now, because you remember you, you told me you were like, no one's going to ever come to your house and try to like hurt you. Like I just know. Even now, sometimes if I get scared or, I don't know, at night or something, I'll remember, I'll think back to you telling me that and I feel better. And then I feel safe. <laughs> <laughs> and I like to even call this like a, this was a, in this way we were doing a home blessing. Mm-hmm. Just blessing the home and um, using the support of a lot of these um, Indian uh, Hindu deities. 
Oh, and we did the chanting. And we did chanting. We called forward their energies into the space. So it's mm. like it's pretty much like you're a down. It's like you're downloading a software. Mm-hmm. And we were downloading the software upon the home with like all of these different like. Uh, and we even spoke about which were the ones that we wanted to like invoke and the reasons why we wanted to invoke them into the space. And I think there was Lakshmi mm-hmm, and like, like Shiva. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm also a big believer in the fact that I think, especially with the house that ha- you have like refurbished and like brought back to, because this house was such a mess and so such a disaster when I first, you know, when I first got it. And then I really feel like I've brought it back to its glory days. And I feel like this house takes care of me so much. And I really try to take care of the house. Like it feels so alive to me. And I feel like it's finally happy. It's like, it's like all, you know, fresh and shiny and like Mm -hmm. just, it's just so good now. But at first it was like in desperate need of some type of help. (laughs) Especially because every time I come into your home, you always interact with every part of your space. Mm -hmm. There's not a space in your home that you don't interact with. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's New York too, I think, right? Because we have such little space in New York, we have to really prioritize every little corner that we do have and make it useful and usable and, yeah. And make it intentional, and I think that that's something that we really, um, that I really see from your space. It's a, there's all of the designated areas are intentional. So this is a home that's communing you, that's supporting you, that's like helps you uplift you and it's helping you go, like it's supporting you where you are and taking you where you want to be. Right. But it's it is such a mutual relationship where I I feel like me in this house like it is such a living thing you know which I feel of your space as well and it's been through such a transformation too as you were saying yes. before yes and it's like and I love this that you're sharing of like the living entities and that's part of what a lot of this space healing is it's just, oh. you guys <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. That was the doorbell and plum. So just just ignore that. We're just going to move on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we were seeing, we're talking about um, the living entities that are in our space. And it feels like in New York City, a lot of the people who live here feel like a lot of the people that at least that I share with and mm. that I get to go into the homes are like, oh, they love nature. And they want to live in nature, and they want to be <laughs> they, in nature. They ended up in New York. And they're in New York City, <laughs> and let alone they're like in their apartments in New York City. And I've been from this contemplation of like people really wanting to be in nature. I was like, wait, like where does everything that we own come from? It comes from nature. All of it does. Like there's, you wouldn't have walls or or floors or floors yeah. or doors or furniture or pillows or everything that's in your home it's nature it's mm-hmm. just a different shape of nature it's just like humanized or human transformed and or then like even in this way of like there's um these vedic teachings that they talk about the clay and like how the clay even if the clay changes form is it still clay it's absolutely still clay mm-hmm. even if it changes form it's like it's like water if you freeze it it's ice but it's still water it's or still if you water. like vaporize it it's still, it's still the same thing it's the same thing so like this is and in this way we start to connect to our homes in a completely different way we start to connect to the nature that lies within like where we are Mm. and how we can use our spaces to like support us and that's so cool i've never i've never actually thought about it like that but it's so true it is really you know we are such a part of nature but i think especially 
living in a big city, that can get so lost if you don't really intentionally make a point to connect with it. It's so easy to fall into like city life, but I don't know. I live really close to a park, so I like to try to go there a lot. Mm-hmm. But and I feel like with you, you're always like traveling to places that have a lot of nature, like Columbia or mm-hmm. wherever. But could maybe you could talk a little bit about your experiences. I know the past year you did a lot of traveling. Yes, I was. Um, I was away in Colombia for three months. Mm-hmm. And I started off in the north of the country in Santa Marta, and this is where a lot of indigenous communities still are. Mm-hmm. And this was just a treat. This was one of the biggest treats, and it almost felt like going on a time capsule back into time in the steep, because I had been wanting to uncover that for myself, like this connection to even my own indigenous people mm-hmm. that I don't have available to me and to see a different manifestation of this that was still preserved. Mm-hmm. I felt there was so much beauty. There is. It's so, it's such that's such an amazing thing to be able to explore. Was this where you met your Taita? So then I ended up going to Bogota, mm-hmm. and two hours away from Bogota in this town called Apulo, there's this medicine farm, and this is where I met a medicine man who I started diving deeper into medicine work. And through being there and, you know, doing the medicine for myself you start to you start to see aspects of yourself that you did not think were there it really like shows you it shows you it shows you like it it shows you if you want to see it shows you what you're like open to see Mm -hmm. can you explain i know for a lot of people they might not be familiar with like medicine or what that means um can you just explain a little bit so plant-based medicine there's a brew that they make from a tree bark mm-hmm. that's called um, the ayahuasca plant. Mm-hmm. And they make a tea brew. The ayahuasca. The ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. And this is something that you drink in ceremony. So it's not like with. a recreational thing. It's, it's not for not, fun. It's no. not to get high. It's, it's to use as an actual, like a mental yes. medicine to yes. open you up heart medicine too heart medicine and it has the spirit of a grandmother it's like mother earth right yes yeah. it's like but very specific it feels like your grandmother and even the first time that i did this medicine it felt like i was in my grandmother's house oh and i'm very connected to my grandmother that's so none beautiful. of them are here anymore yeah and that's something that i still i'm able to like carry them and there's still the sense of like being connected to them and I don't feel that they are gone forever in any way. I feel that way too. So this medicine, can it bring you uh, closer to your ancestors in that way? It brings you closer to your ancestor. It's um, it's a direct line into uncovering deeply who you are. And I've done many silent retreats. Mm-hmm. And for me at this point, I was like, and as you know, like I hadn't done plant-based medicine. For me, I was like, no, I'd rather sit 10 days in silence. And like, and Which is more like a disciplined way of do. I feel like... You know, you can access this part of yourself in many, there's many there's ways, many but ways. this is a more of a direct, like a yeah. faster way, right? And I think that this was the teaching and the biggest gift of what the plant-based medicine taught me. It's not one way or another. Mm-hmm. And through me being able to have such a deep sense of self-inquiry, of being able to like sit with myself when I started doing medicine journeys, there was a like different a curiosity. way. And there was a different way of navigating the journeys too there was a different intelligence, a different awareness that was showing up. Did you ever feel, like, scared of it? I've 
believe I believe yeah at the beginning there's always that sense of fear you know because you feel like you're gonna die you know it's like oh I'm gonna you know you're gonna drink this medicine it's gonna get you <laughs> yeah I mean I've never done I've never taken ayahuasca but I've heard that when you feel that resistance you kind of just have to like allow it to come up and just kind of go into that mm. in order to move through it kind of like what we were like, talking about exactly like somatic meditation yes. it brings you into a place of complete discomfort and like what do you do when you're like in discomfort a lot of times we resist it so instead of resistance and because of like all of this prior work that i had done it mm. was like okay then you can surrender you can be in the space and you can allow it to move through you and to show you the deep truth of what is it that's really there mm-hmm. and this medicine helps people cure trauma diseases um mental illnesses like it really so it really clears out the system it clears out the system it clears did you out the throw system. up yeah this is one of the um like the I side effects say, <laughs> say of drinking this medicine that it's very clearing mm-hmm. so there is purging that happens it's, almost like rapé it's not almost like rapé it's not all the time that this happens even when you and rapé is in the it's a sacred snuff that it's used um for ceremony for ceremony and also people can use it for their personal practices to go deeper into clearing their own energetic like systems it brings you a sense of clarity so there's a lot of like these different like aiding tools and that's the beauty of like what these medicines are and um why they've been so conserved by the indigenous people and like why they're even like having access to us now is to like bring us back to that sense of remembering Mm. we can really remember who we are how we can walk in right relation to this world like and how we can walk in beauty we can walk in peace we don't have to be like so affected by the world or so like you know how we will i don't know i was i was listening to this thing where someone was living on a hill in los angeles and he was looking across the hill at another hill and he saw these people bulldozing the hill and they started building houses on the flat part Mm -hmm. and he was like why would someone who wants to live on a hill flatten the hill when you could literally live on any flat piece of land all around this wouldn't you instead of fighting with nature wouldn't you build the home into the hill instead of flattening the hill so then the hill will at some point just roll down in like a giant avalanche <laughs> it's kind of like that like going with it instead of fighting it yeah, instead of fighting and yes this medicine really brings you into a place of deep surrender mm-hmm. into a place of deep surrender and a place of deeply remembering and there's a lot of like different modalities for this I don't want to and this is where I think a lot of like my current work is it's like in this making a bridge between like these modalities and I think that a lot of time a lot of people who are deep into um, Buddhism or Hinduism or a lot of these like very um, yoga meditative practices like the one that I did on Saturday yeah. which was a Zen Buddhist retreat where you just sit silently yeah. in meditation for six hours or even in like Vipassana where a lot even they ask you in the forums before you go in it's like what are you like practicing shamanic rituals why do they ask you because it's like the sense of like wanting you to go deeper into like one practice and to stay determined into one thing but we don't live anymore in worlds where it's like the one thing or the other right right because there's a reason why we're exposed to so much Mm -hmm. if not we wouldn't have like the technologies that we have right and that's something that I've reflected a lot even for myself because when I 
got back from India, I was like, oh, I'm gonna renounce the world. Like, so everything, go back there and be, you know. <laughs> like, you just know, have no possessions. Have no nothing. Yeah. It's like, no, there's a reason why I was born where I was born, why I had access to New York City, and why I have access now to, like, all of these different teachings. Mm. So there's a sense of, like, now, this is, as I was saying, like, a deep sense of building a bridge between, like, these modalities of a lot of these ancient beautiful traditions of like how to navigate like ourselves through silence how to become to that place of self-awareness without needing agents to take us there mm-hmm. and also how to use these medicines to go deeper into what is shown what we're not fully able to um recognize what we're not fully able to um you know, if something shows up it's like oh i don't really know what that is like and how to we- process it not really how to process but if there's something that's there and you're like you know you're doing meditation but you're not able to fully see it you don't see it you do plant-based medicine you go there and you're like oh this is the root of this mm-hmm. so you're able to find deeper roots like when yeah. we like when we had our psilocybin experience <laughs> and i feel like that was actually so perfect i remember because you were saying you were like it was actually so perfect like we so saw exactly what we were meant to see which was so true that we had yeah and it was just different. It was just, I think when you attach an expectation to a medicine, it's never really a great way of going into it because probably your expectation is going to be super different from what happens. Yes. And I think that's something that I need to remind myself of a lot because mm-hmm. a lot of times, like I've done these so many times, not ayahuasca, but other ones, and I think I know what's going to happen and then it's so different from what actually happens. And then we have... Mm -hmm. like I'm always so surprised (laughs) but it's so beautiful to be able to um, allow ourselves to be supported with what is there um, for us and that's been part of even like my uncovering and connecting deeper into the Tainos of my land it's been through this medicine work and do you feel like even though these uh, like these gurus or the the people that you have met even though they're not from Dominican Republic, do you feel some sort of like ancestral lineage from them? Um, it's so interesting because I, I think that there's a there's this deep sense of appreciation towards these beautiful teachings, and I think that they're available to all of us. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to be like you don't have to be like a woman of color. You don't no. have to be a healer. You don't have to be no. anything. Like no. anyone can access these things. Anyone can as- access these things, and I think it really comes into that space of like breaking the sense of separation that this thing belongs only to these amounts of people, and this other thing only belongs to these other amounts of people. And it's like this: we can, if we continue to do that, then it's we're continue to be lost. But is that cultural? cultural appropriation because sometimes I worry that like if I'm doing something as a white person I feel like oh if I'm doing this that's not part of my culture which you know it's it's from someone else's culture that Mm -hmm. that might not be respectful or that might be appropriation and I see what you're saying and I like to think of this on the way of like cultural appreciation Mm -hmm. and I have a lot of support from I think it's also like, what are you doing with the things that you're learning? Like if you're appropriating and someone feels that you're doing so in the wrong way, it's like, are you walking with the integrity of like what these teachings are? And Mm. are you maintaining that integrity for yourself? Mm -hmm. And I think that this is like part of those like fine lines. It's like even a lot of these like teachings that have, the reason why I even share them is because they have transformed my life. Uh They have transformed my life and I walk differently. 
and I believe that there's this is something that's available for everyone that's why like all of these like teachers or different masters they're all pointing to the same thing yeah they're all pointing to the same thing but it's all spoken in so many different ways and that's why I even love this podcast because there's so many different healing modalities mm-hmm. it's not a one-size-fits-all formula. right and there's so many things to explore there's so many things to try and like yeah. They all lead you to a different place, to where you need to go. And then from there, I, I feel like they're all tools, but you can't get lost in the tool. Like, you can't get lost in meditation when you get these visions or you get these powers. Like, you can't think that this is it and then stop because mm-hmm. this is just a side effect of the work that you're doing. It's not the final destination. It's not enlightenment. It's not any of those things it's just a side effect but I feel like a lot of times people will say oh okay I got what I wanted out of it like that's it and then they won't keep going or they Mm -hmm. will give up on it you Mm -hmm. know what I mean and I think that um so one of my teachers Bruce Pardo he's the one who taught me how to do all these somatic meditations Mm. and he would always say like the effectiveness of a practice is how easy you're willing to like um learn it and then drop it let it go it's like the attachment it's it's not having that attachment or the sense of like desire towards that thing or even in the sense of like further integrating it into your life because you don't need to like continue to um, practice this because you're walking already by all the beauty of what you have learned Mm -hmm. so this is it's an integration and even with like a lot of these medicine journeys you integrate them into your life Mm -hmm. and it's like you don't have to continue to go back into medicine work because whatever messages you receive you You got them them Uh and you're applying them into your life to walk differently to live differently to and to experience the world in a completely different way you guys, I am so sorry. I have a very, very bratty dog who likes to scream when I don't give her peanut butter. So that's what's been going on in the background. But I think we've <laughs> kind of mitigated the situation. So let us just continue down our path of, <laughs> of talking about enlightenment. Um, no, but actually, I would be super excited if you could just share a little bit about the offerings that you have going on right now and maybe a little bit about Casa Siento. Yeah, so... Casa Siento is a new project that I just started, and it's based on my home in Bed-Stuy. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing a lot of different um, full moon rituals, gatherings, a lot of the intention of the space is to, casa means home, and siento means to feel. So Lo siento, like when I was growing up, people would be like, Lo siento, does that mean sorry? Uh, it's spelled differently. Oh, okay. It's a different no, word. Siento, uh, lo siento. Yeah, it's, no, it's the same, it's the same word, but, <laughs> but siento in this way of, like, um, feel. Okay. Of I feel. Of, like, I. So this space is made for, um, for us to fully allow ourselves to feel who we are and to do so in a safe place. It's a safe place to feel seen, to feel heard, and to be held. So, and so the full, the moon ceremonies that you do, are those similar to like the one that we did at the beach or? They, I use a combination of both Vedic rituals and shamanic rituals. Mm-hmm. And this is, um, the shamanic rituals is something that I actively started learning when I was in Colombia with the medicine men that I started working with and also with the curandera. Mm. I don't really consider myself to be a healer and I'm starting to acclimate myself more to the word curandera. And curandera yeah. 
and curandera means the etymology of it it's like curar so curar is to heal and dero is a male and dera would be like the female version of so it's like someone that helps you heal so is that like a similar term as if you were i know like the term witch in american is like or in american in english is considered kind of like derogatory just like in a way to some people i mean i don't know i don't think of it that way i consider myself like kind of a witch but (laughs) but would you say that's um a similar word it's 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 just like healer like healer yeah the word is healer and this is something that i've traced back to um the reason why i i was initiated by my tia abuela who's my grandmother's sister she taught me a healing technique and this is circa before I went to India or Long started medicine. Mm. And this shifted something in me. Like the moment that she taught me this, because I was very curious. And I asked her, I was like, what is it that you're doing? And she told me, and I'm, I can't really share Explain, what that is. Yeah. Yeah, of course, I can't share um, you know, the gifts that she it's shared with me. It's a secret psychic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. My, I, my grandma on my mom's side was super psychic. Um, she would always have these like visions but I think she was really put off by them and like kind of scared by them and she was super close with me like she died when I was 14 but we were very very close um kind of similar how you were close so close with your grandmothers um and I really do think that that sense of like psychic um awareness gets passed down from generation to generation and I think with her, she really pushed it away because she didn't want that information at all. And I think there was a certain point where she kind of just shut it out. Mm-hmm. But I, I always, since I was a little girl, have been so interested. And I've always had these, like, weird dreams or these, like, mm-hmm. visions. Not often, but sometimes I'll have them and they're so powerful and they're so hard to ignore. And I think that's partially why I got into past life regression um, but I feel like it was something that she directly passed down to me. And I'm so lucky that I was able to, you know, have that lineage and get that from her. And I feel like to even carry it on, even though she wasn't like into it like I was, mm-hmm. it just feels like an honor to have that. That's so beautiful. I love that so much. That's exactly it. Even I, I feel the same way even towards my grandmother. I think that I'll, they had these gifts and they were frowned upon yeah you know in the sense of like you know it's like oh it's too wild you know they see you as like these like like a witch or yeah and you know especially you know Dominican Republic at the time that they were there you know back in the day and like it was a completely different time to be um tuning into these things these powers and especially in with my grandmother she was in the south she's in Atlanta and I think that that's also that was also very frowned upon at that time, you know, in the fifties, sixties, like around when my mom was born. Um, I don't think she was comfortable with that. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's so beautiful how thanks to our ancestors and like all of the work that they did, and now we get to reclaim this in a way where we're honoring even them and the fact that they were not able to fully express themselves in this life right and i think that that's the gift that we all have like now we can honor and heal our ancestors all of those lineages of pain that have been 
that are connected to our family lines. Mm. We do, every time that we honor and we embody and we step into our truth, we... We honor them. We honor them. Yeah. And we heal them. We heal ourselves and we help to continue to heal everyone around us. In the world. It's like a collective unconscious of, of healing. But it's so I'm so happy that you were able to join me today. And I feel like this is such a this is such a great conversation. And you guys, if you want to look into the offerings that Laura has at Casa Ciento, um, where can they find you? So as of now, Casa Ciento, uh, I don't I haven't fully started a platform for this. It's been um, very much like word of mouth and like mm. for community members around. And mm-hmm. if you're interested, you can send me an email. And my email is laura at l-a-u-r-a dash escalante e-s-c-a-l-a-n-t-e dot com and I also have a website with a lot of my offerings which is www.quintoelement.com so quinto is q-u-i-n-t-o element e-l-e-m-e-n-t dot com and this thank is where you. a lot of like my offerings are and yeah thank you so much for having me here what a delicious we could talk for hours <laughs> i know we could we could just keep going you guys but um we yeah. have held you here for 48 minutes and 20 seconds so i am gonna let you guys go flourish and have fun in your lives yeah. so have Bless an amazing you. week and i will be back to you guys next week with a new guest thank you